Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey everyone, this is Mike Wolf with the Smart Home Show. As you can tell by my voice, I have a little bit of a cold, a little bit of a cough, and that's always great heading into CES, heading into Vegas tomorrow at 6 a.m. And actually, the cold is actually part of the reason why I haven't been podcasting, in addition to the fact that it's been the holidays and I've been taking a little bit of time off. But I wanted to get a podcast out before I headed off to Las Vegas. I'm hoping to actually do a little bit of uh, podcasting, at least recording of conversations in Vegas. Don't know if I'll have time to actually post anything, but I wanted to do a little something before I left for the Smart Home Show. And in particular, I talked about doing uh, a look at what was the what were the biggest stories of 2014 around the Smart Home. And I know it's late. I know I'm sitting here on January 3rd, but I thought, you know, why not at least look back in the past? Because I think it helps us to kind of think about the future and helps us to look at what's going to happen this coming year. Because everything always builds off the next thing or the previous thing. Everything always builds off the foundation set the previous year. And so, you know, and I didn't want to do a look forward to what's going to be the biggest trends around Smart Home in 2015. Because here's the thing that people always make a mistake around. When you talk about consumer products in December, particularly in the middle of December, when you're when everyone at every blog is writing their look forward pieces, uh, they, they fail to realize that in just two weeks, a bunch of new news is going to come out at CES. Um, and that's always the the tricky thing when you when you're big in the consumer technology space to do end of year stuff in December and to figure out what your year is going to look like. You really have to wait till after CES because, like I said, there's just going to be a ton of news. I'm already getting some stuff trickling in through my inbox. I'm recording this on Saturday. I'm literally going to be on a flight. I'll be in Vegas 24 hours from now. And so for me to write, here's what Smart Home's going to look like in 2015. I could do a pretty good job of that. I think you know I have a, a good idea around the big trends, but but remember, last year, literally a day after CES, Google acquired Nest, and so we, as we can, as we know, um, things happen very quickly over the next month. There's often a ton of news in early January, first couple weeks of January, and then it goes quiet for a little bit. So I wanted to do my smart home look forward uh, in about a week. We'll, we'll talk about that. And so this one's really kind of a look back, and I know it's a little bit late, but again, like I said, you can't really know where you're going unless you know where you've been. So I just want to talk about some of the big stories that we've seen. If you want to listen to more Smart Home Shows, uh, before we get going here, you, you know where to go. Go to technology.fm. You can find the Smart Home Show there. You can also go to thesmarthomeshow.com. You can find us there. And, and as always, if you want to get written versions of a lot of my analysis, my weekly stuff in particular, go to smarthomeweekly.net and check that out as well. So let's get going, shall we? Let's talk about the biggest stories of the year. And, well, let's start back in January of 2014. And the Google Nest deal, literally the biggest story of the year may have happened last January, a year from a year ago. And it's funny because I was actually at CES and I remember writing uh, back from the SmartThings house. So a lot of these folks, these companies will set up homes off site where you can go and see their vision for the smart home. And SmartThings was one of them, one of these companies. 
And so I got a ride there to check it out, and they showed me around. It's funny, uh, Liz Gaines from All Things uh, D at the time. Actually, she was, she's brand new with the new Recode. I remember her walking around with the, the, the TV crew from NBC. Uh, Recode is actually funded by NBC, so that I thought that was interesting. So I said hi to Liz. I used to work with G- at Gigome. And so I'm doing the Smart Things tour with, with all these folks. And then I get a ride back. And so I'm getting a ride back from a couple guys from Smart Things. And I'm sitting in the front of an SUV. And in the back, hitching a ride with us, were a couple guys from Nest. And I just remember this conversation between the, the Smart Things guys and the Nest guys, both complimenting each other. I remember the Smart Things guys saying, hey, I really like what you guys are doing. And it was so interesting in retrospect to think about the guys from Nest may have well had a very, a very good inkling that they were about to announce in just two days that they were becoming part of the Google family. So it, it, it was really interesting. That that happened, a $3 billion deal. Google swooped in, bought them. And everyone at the time said it was overpriced. Like, can you believe that Google is spending $3 billion on this company that makes these thermostats? Around the time, I think they said that we had about a million or so they sold. So even at a million units in the field, at most of this company's made a couple hundred million dollars. And Google just bought them for $3 billion. Google, you're being crazy. Well, I remember when everyone said that Google was crazy when they bought YouTube for, I think it was half a half a billion. Seems so crazy at the time. YouTube probably hadn't made any money. We all know that that turned out pretty well. And I actually think that uh, that Google's Nest acquisition is going to be looked back you know, through the lens of history. And, and people will believe that they probably got a good deal. And I've talked about this before, why I think this. I just think that, you know, literally they bought the foundation for their connected home for the next decade or so, probably for their hardware uh, vision for the next decade uh, with that acquisition. The team they got, the executive team, I think is going to drive a lot of the things that Google does in hardware will be the center of their design aesthetic. And so I I think that overall Google's uh, the the history will look back fondly upon this acquisition and the deal, the deal price that Google struck. So that I think was maybe one of the biggest stories. Um, I think you know, like I said, I was riding in the same car with the Smart Things guys, and Smart Things would have to wait a little while before they got their big news and their big acquisition. But it eventually came when Samsung swooped in. You know, looking back a year ago, Samsung at the time was talking a big smart home game. They had lots of smart home demos at their booth. Samsung always just goes bonkers, guys, at, at CES. They just spend tons of money. And, of course, they were talking about smart home. But as we learned, they didn't have a whole lot to, to show for it, and a lot of it was just talk, because they would eventually buy smart things. And smart things is actually serving as the centerpiece for a lot of their smart home strategy. Not not all, of course. I mean, Samsung's an interesting company. I mean, they they are really continuing to to push the Tizen operating system. I think that the, we're going to see some Tizen news around their smart TVs uh, here at CES. But you know, it's it's just a company that has their fingers in a lot of different pies and oftentimes will announce stuff just to kind of get their name out there and oftentimes just announce product products that are actually weren't quite fully baked. Can anyone remember the Galaxy Gear 1.0 as an example? And so I just think that Samsung is a company that uh, just wants to be sure that they're first to market or second to market or, or early to market and oftentimes even though they don't have the technology fully ready. And so that was the case with Smart Home. But I think with smart things, they bought a, a platform and they're building around that. So I think that was an interesting thing. Those of you who are following the market, I mean, I think Samsung's certainly not going away. And I think smart things uh, with their developer and app, app ecosystem is going to be an interest, interesting company to follow. One of the other big stories of the year was a collection of uh, stories that happened around 
companies that are traditionally playing in the in the CDS space or in the higher end smart home realm, companies like Crestron and Savant. When I went to Cedia last year, uh, it was clear to me that one of the big things that all the big companies that, that sold into these high-end smart home systems and, and sold in the high-end smart home market and had a home system integrator, have, ha have home system integrated channels, one of the things that they clearly wanted to do is find a way to capitalize on all the sexiness that is happening around the DIY smart home. And so one of the things that they did is just try to make their devices simpler. Not necessarily to go directly to consumer, guys. The, you know, Crestron isn't going to be a Best Buy selling their, their hubs. But Crestron and Savant and these other guys, Control 4, want to make their devices more approachable from a technology perspective so they're not super complicated, but also maybe enter a little bit lower pricing realm. So Crestron introduced at Cedia of last, at 2014 their ping platform which really makes uh, their their whole platform more approachable and, and and benefits from the advantage of really tapping into the huge amount of devices that are compatible with Crestron Crestron platform so that was announced I thought that was really huge news Savant also came out with uh, an app and really their whole Cedia show was really kind of centered around this idea of having a, a Savant app that really controlled everything and and so i don't necessarily think that they were trying to make savant this system that was affordable for the masses but what i think they wanted to do is make savant approachable for system integrators who and, and also allow homeowners to have some level of control so when you you go back a couple of years oftentimes if you had to really have some work done on your savant system have some work done on your crestron system you'd have to call your guy right you had to call a guy um, oftentimes you wouldn't necessarily be able to do it yourself. I think what's happening is that these guys are allowing the consumer to have some level of configuration control, not not 100%, but some level of configuration control. And that, and that was clear from Savant at CDO last year. I think Crestron's also moving that way as well. And Control 4, I mean, when I talked to them, one of the things that they really want to do is open up and allow Control 4 to be inst programmed and installed not by the master programmer, but by maybe the more junior guys. So I think what Control 4 is trying to do is water and feed uh, a, an installer channel that is maybe a little bit more junior to enable maybe folks to get into this market easier. Because I really think that you they have to do what they have to do is basically set up a, a farm league, if you will. If you think about it in the baseball terms, you know you have uh, baseball teams uh, in the farm leagues, and they have you know the single A team, the double A team, et cetera. I think, you know, Control 4 really wants to have a double A team to kind of create some superstars at the low levels that will install Control 4 systems into homes at affordable prices for a few thousand dollars. And then maybe over time, see these guys move up and have the home system integrators bring in their pros to really maybe add on and add more scenes, add more, add more zones, et cetera, et cetera, over time. So, I think that just generally the, all of these companies are looking to facilitate and grow their channel, enable consumers to get in at lower price points, and make their devices seem more approachable. And, and at some level to combat the DIY momentum, right? I mean, if you are someone who or is looking at spending $10,000 and yet you see this system from Quirky or from Nest that looks like it does a lot of stuff, you're going to do some math. You're going to start thinking about it. And I think that the, the guys in the CD channel 
are starting to look for ways to combat that. One of the other top stories of the year was HomeKit, announced by Apple. And, you know, HomeKit was this thing that everyone was expecting. We all knew that Apple would come out with this idea or come out with something that would be smart home-centric. We didn't know at the time beforehand if it would be, hey, a whole new product from them, a hub or, or, or integration with Apple TV. But we knew that they had something up their sleeve. There's been a trail of of patent filings. There's been there, there's been some copyright stuff with names like iHome out there. Um, and just you know, oftentimes with Apple, there's rumors floating around, and oftentimes when there's enough there's enough leaks, enough smoke, where there's eventually fire, and we we realize that there would be something. And what HomeKit was when it came out, I think at the time seemed underwhelming to a lot of people because they wanted. You know, with Apple, you always want the new shiny new object. You want the new hardware. But in retrospect, I think that it was the perfect announcement because what Apple needed to do is set a foundation. You know, as an industry, I think Apple people are looking for leadership from companies like Apple. And Apple, ultimately, from a, a profit perspective, from a revenue driver perspective, they're not going to all of a sudden start selling, you know, a thousand smart home nodes and sensors, etc., Oh, you know, I don't know if that's their game. I think what Apple does, and we know this from history, is they make money off of like a, a few bread and butter products, be it mobile phones, be it tablets, be it, you know, MacBooks, be it Apple TV. And, you know, and now they have the Apple, Apple Watch. That's a, that's a new category in wearables. And they may come out with something that is like a new device around smart home. But I think what they're first going to do is enable that, uh, the, the the skids are greased to enable sales of lots more products that they already sell that will plug into the smart home. So they're great, basically creating a foundation for the smart home. They're creating a software framework framework that will allow their devices to touch all these devices like Philips Hue and, and things from iDevices and all these other products enable their system to basically be the one that controls a lot of these things. And then maybe down the line they'll they'll announce like a hub or something. But I think the first the first way they wanted to go is create a software framework framework to enable their devices, be it an iPad or an iPhone, to be the controlling device uh, for a lot of these smart home devices. And and so they joined the battle. You know, they're they're kind of there. Uh, the battle's also been joined by Google with the Works with Nest program. That was another big part of news. So you had HomeKit announced. You had Works with Nest announced. And so the the big standards battle, the big software framework battle has been joined. Uh, there's a few others out there. We're going to see what happens. But I think, by and large, I think what we're going to see in 2015, and I don't want to get into the prediction show, but I think you're going to see these things continue to battle out. And people join join camps, but not necessarily be mutually exclusive, right? So if, you, if you're in HomeKit and you're Philips, it doesn't necessarily preclude you from being Philips and joining with Google because both these guys are going to have you, right? But I think there's going to be companies like iDevices who say, hey, we're going to go all in on HomeKit. HomeKit is going to be it. Apple is a good horse to bet on. And we're going to bet on that horse. And, and we're going to spend $10 million on HomeKit development. That's actually what they said. That's another piece of news. I would say it's one of the biggest stories. It's kind of one of the most surprising stories that a company like iDevices would say that. But when you think about what they were saying, is they're basically saying they spent $10 million on man, manpower or whatever. They, I'm sure they had some pretty generous assumptions in their spreadsheets when they came up with that number. But just in a few days, we're going to see the new iDevices device built. Uh, that you know, they actually announced that they're going to also have a, an entirely new device that isn't going to be a thermometer, a meat thermometer. It's going to be something completely new, built around 
build around HomeKit. And so I'm digressing here, uh, just kind of looking forward to CES and all these announcements that are going to be flying fast and furious. And I'll have more next week, guys. I'll have more next week. I'll be talking about a lot of the stuff. But, again, I'm just looking back at 2014. Another big piece of news was Wink from Quirky. You know, Wink is interesting to me, interesting to me, because Quirky is interesting to me. They're this company uh, with a colorful CEO named Ben Kaufman. I think he says on his LinkedIn he's the world's least important CEO. Ben Kaufman's an interesting guy, um, one of those kind of personality CEOs. Quirky is one of those companies that is really interesting. It's, it's an audacious company that I think kind of, like I've said before, they they, they punch above their weight a little bit. Um, they have partnerships with companies like GE, and they just do interesting things. They 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 crowdsource ideas. They say, hey, if you have an idea for a product, send it to us. And they and they they do partnerships partnerships with companies like Home Depot. So Quirky is really interesting. I think it was around mid year they announced a Wink, which is going to be was going to be a standalone smart home company, a company that would you know they they Quirky would own it, but it's going to be their own company, a new company that would deliver smart home products. You know they would just it was a huge launch. And, and the products were out there. Already on, they were already on Amazon pretty quickly. And, and Quirky, and Wink from Quirky was a thing. Well, like three months later, three or four months later, Quirky has this big announcement. I think it was late November. And they said, hey, we have all these new smart home products from us and GE. And Wink was barely in, talked about. It, it was really kind of weird. And no one really commented on this. So, And during the meantime, you know, Wink came out with their hub. And by the way, the Wink app and the Wink hub were, were the, the idea, right? So you had the Wink app. Everything that worked with the Wink app would work over Wi-Fi. Everything that needed to use Z-Wave or, or something that wouldn't work with Wi-Fi would work with the Wink hub. And you have all these Wink devices that were sold from Home Depot, etc. And some sold through Amazon. And they went, to, they went to market and the reviews are pretty bad, actually. So the reviews are bad on Amazon. And so I don't know what happened, right? I don't know if, if Quirky decided that they wanted to put more emphasis on just one brand name because again this big hullabaloo press conference they had like about a month ago where the focus was quirky and ge was mostly on quirky and ge and smart home and wasn't a lot on wink so i just think that was odd and no one really talked about it and so i talk about it and so i'll talk about it with them i'm meeting with them at ces and i'll have some questions for them but i just think overall wink was a big story i think quirky's a big story and i think they're a company to watch i think they're going to do well here because they're so innovative but I just think that was an interesting one-two step. Another story from 2014 was Thread. So let's let's go back in time and talk a little bit about Thread. And we're, we're getting a little bit nerdy here for those of you who are fairly new to the smart home. As you probably have guessed, there's a lot of different technologies to make all this stuff happen, right? There's, there's wireless standards like Z-Wave and Zigbee. And the stuff talking over there that allows this stuff to communicate. There's you know Bluetooth and, and Wi-Fi. And and working with all these different devices before you even start thinking about protocols like Insteon and, and, and all these other technologies that allow smart home platforms to communicate, there's the wireless standards, right? And and you know, we we've been at this for a while now. You know, for the last decade or so there's been low power wireless standards called Z Wave and Zigbee that have been trying to become the default smart home communication standard. To limited degrees of success, there's, you know, as always in this, these spaces, there are these turf battles and companies choose to, rather than cooperate, to have competing standards, which ultimately retards the growth of the whole industry, right? I mean, I think we can agree that 
if everyone agreed like 10 years ago that it's going to be Z-Wave and, and everything worked on Z-Wave, I think the industry probably would have moved a little faster. But, you know, so things things go slowly because there's battles. People have, you know, investments in technologies. They have patents and you, they get richer if you pick one standard or the other, and that's what happens. And so we're, we're chunking along. It looks like, you know, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, Zigbee and Z-Wave are going to be kind of the four, big four in the smart home around uh, wireless protocols in particular. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, this um, a few companies get together and say, hey, we're going to do this new technology. We're going to we're going to take a clean, brand new, white, pristine, clean sheet of paper and build a new standard. But hey, we're not going to do it so new that we, we, we make a huge hurdle for ourselves. We're going to actually build on a an IEEE standard called 802.15.4, and we're going to build above that and build this thing called Thread that is really much more efficient. Uh, it allows you to do things like mesh networking. And by the way, it's not controlled by one company like, you know, Z-Wave maybe. And it doesn't have the software protocol problems that Zigbee has. And so it sounded really kind of good. And, you know, some people got excited out of the gate. And and I still think there's a lot of interest in Thread. There's a lot of momentum. But I, still, I think some people actually after the first, you know, month or so and thought it sounded good said, hey, well, we're, we really are kind of starting from scratch. So I think Thread is a big story. I'll be talking to the folks from Thread at CES, I'll have more news there, see what their progress is. But I think it'll be, you know, trying to throw elbows with a lot of big established standards. So we'll see where it goes. You know, another interesting story for 2014 was SmartLocks. I mean, I've been following this. I wrote the first report out there that anyone ever wrote, a dedicated report on SmartLocks in I think February of 2014. I published it. And it's funny that a lot of the companies that I was writing about at the time still haven't shipped. So you have Goji, who went dark literally for six months. It's like they went on a bender and blacked out. And then they woke up six months later and realized that they better do an update. And they did. And what they said is they're not pushing out their Wi-Fi smart lock until April of 2015 or so, which I think disappointed a lot of their backers on Indiegogo. But as, as you guys know from now, I'm a, I'm a guy who basically gets more skeptical every day of the crowdfunded startups, not that there aren't good ones and not that this, it isn't a great way to do it. I mean, I'm going to talk a little bit later about a company called Roost, which has done a, a crowdfunded startup, but they had all the pedigree, right? They had technology that was going to ship. They had an established uh, team of executives that had done it before. So there are lots of companies who are going to use crowdfunding that are going to do very well. But if you're you know, the, the kind of the wet, wet behind the ears kid who done a, does a crowdfunding campaign and somehow convinced a bunch of people to give you half a million dollars. And then you you realize you actually have to ship product. Then, you know, it's going to be skepticism time. I mean, I'm going to be a little more skeptical. So, you know, Goji is one of those companies that, like, we'll see if they ship. But, uh, you know, they, they haven't shipped for a while. It? So, Goji never shipped. Lockatron. Actually has shipped, you know, just looking, I think they announced about a month ago now on their blog that they shipped to 11,000 of their backers. So that there was a little bit of a riot going on over on the Lockatron side. People were starting to get upset. I think there was a, a well-published publicized blog post on TechCrunch about the, the delay from Lockatron earlier this year. So it looks like they're finally getting their stuff out. I mean, it really has been uh, tough for the Wi-Fi-based smart lock guys to get their stuff out there. Lockatron is moving you know, Lockstate is a company that got was, you know, quietly shipping Wi-Fi smart locks. I, I think I'm going to be meeting with them at, at CES, and they got a backing from a uh, from some VCs because they're doing smart locks. They're doing Wi-Fi smart locks, so it's been an interesting market. 
I think we're going to see some news from Unikey. So the folks that were behind the Kibo from Quickset, Unikey will have some interesting news. I think you'll see us keep an eye out for that. And just, just I think the smartwalk market continues to gain momentum because it's one of those categories, like I said, uh, I've said before, one of those categories that consumers just get. There's clear value there. Um, unlike with uh, products like Hubs from Revolve, as we all know, Revolve was sold to Google for uh, probably a disappointing exit. Smart Home Hubs, I think, have been moving slower. Smart Home Walks are working or, or shipping because consumers get them, right? So it'll be interesting to see in 2015, and again, not to get into predictions, if with maturation of standards from HomeKit, like HomeKit and, and works with Nest, if the overall platforms start to move, the whole home idea of Smart Home starts to move a little more, it gets a little more mainstream, rather than just the point products, which are what really were the success stories of 2014. Okay, so my last big story of Smart Home for 2014, and after that I'm just going to name a couple of my hottest startups of the year, my most interesting startups that I thought were interesting in 2014. But this, the last story of 2014 for Smart Home was Bluetooth. Um, I think the technology itself is gaining momentum, and it's becoming a real player within the Smart Home system. And I, I think it's becoming almost one of those that you have mu one of the must-haves. When you look at your checkboxes, if you're a Smart Home product developer, and you have like the table stakes capabilities, the things that you got to have, I think, I think increasingly Bluetooth is going to be one of them. And you saw that with Linear, the company that makes a two gig Smart Home panel. That should, I think, to 2 million households now or so. They're adding Bluetooth on the next generation 2 gig. And so that that is one of those ideas and one of those stories. And I also, I was the first one to break the story that the Lowe's on their next generation Iris is going to have Bluetooth. I broke that story this past year. So all the big hub makers, all the companies who are making the centralized devices are putting Bluetooth in because they know Bluetooth is becoming an important, a more important category. And you're seeing guys like Ort coming out with the whole, whole home smart home system just based on Bluetooth. So... Interesting. I think we're going to see that momentum continue in 2014. All right, guys, we're about done with my 2014 wrap-up for the smart home. And uh, before I go, I just want to name some companies I think were interesting startups. Real quick mentions and why I think that that was the case. I guess the first one, I, you know, I was a little bit slow to this idea. And then I eventually thought it was a big deal. was Roost with their smart battery. And only because it's this idea of it really kind of unleashes this this entire idea of the retrofit smart home, right? And I think the retrofit smart home is going to be a bigger and bigger deal, taking what you already have in your house, making it smart, making it work, and integrating it and make it controllable from an app or a phone. And what Roost does with their Wi-Fi smart battery, uh, it allows you to do that. It allows you to basically take your – if I had 10 – smoke alarms, I don't have to take out 10 smoke alarms and put them in the garbage or try to put them on, on Craigslist. Um, I can use all of those with the Roost Smart Battery. That was a big deal. I thought that was a cool topic. I thought that was a cool product. I'll be meeting with them at CES. But I think they're one of my winners for, for startups for 2014. Corner is another one. Um, they were a startup out of, they are a startup out of Seattle. Um, Steve, the, Steve Hollis, the founder, is a guy who works in Amazon. Again, here's another idea. It allows the smart home to get into homes at a low cost with an innovative approach. What they created was a one-piece sensor and allowed you to get in, create basic baseline home security that would leverage your broadband and, and leverage the smart home uh, and leverage your existing router 
for less than less than a hundred bucks. I think for their 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 post Indiegogo price, it's a little bit higher than that. But you know, for about a hundred bucks, you could create whole home security. I just thought that was a really innovative one. They were really the one that that got went the lowest price uh, and allowed you to do that. And so they're they're uh, another company to watch. I guess my third one would be Wink, right? So Wink is a company that actually, like I said, we talked about earlier, is part of Quirky. But I think you know, for a company that came out of nowhere. And Quirky, I'd say Wink and Quirky, for a company that was really not saying that they were in the smart home game before 2014 in a concerted way, I think they're going to be one of the big players. So they, I would say they're, they're my third startup of the year. All right, folks, that's it. Uh, I can't talk much more. My cold is getting to me. I'm going to have to do a lot of talking the next few days, so uh, I'm going to have to save up from now on. I appreciate you listening in. I apologize for not getting out of show. Uh, for the last couple of weeks because I've been sick. I, I'm also going to publish a show where I talk with the good folks from Drop, uh, the Smart uh, Scale. I, I'm doing a lot of work on on Smart Kitchen, and I talked to the folks from from I talked to Ben, the CEO of Drop. So keep an eye out for that. But just thank you for listening to the Smart Home Show. And again, go to thesmarthomeshow.com to get more. Go to technology.fm or just go to your favorite podcast spaces and look for us there. Once again, everyone, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. And maybe even talk to you from CS. Keep an eye out if you want to hear some uh, of the comings and goings of CS. I might do some dispatches from the floor. Who knows? We'll see where it goes. Keep an eye out on the Smart Home Show feed. We'll talk to you soon, guys.